the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. As you know, if you listen to the show, I always tell you the truth. So if I sound a little funky, it's because I'm in Studio Xanadu as we're building it out in South Florida. Um, and before we get into the minutia of Low Flow Joe and just how he is uh, assaulting every aspect of governance, I, uh, I, I'm still confused at the modern American and I'll tell you what I mean. I, I, I had to fly out this morning. And I, I will admit, I'm never in a good mood when I have to go to O'Hare Airport. And the reason I'm not in a good mood is I know what O'Hare Airport is. It is a big earner for the Chicago crime family we call Chicago Democrat Party. It is a huge money funnel of just corruption. And, and it's, it's everything wrong with, with a municipality really using an airport as a front to enrich their select friends. So I'm just disgusted as I go through it. Not to mention it's filthy. The whole place smells like a urinal cake. I don't know what the hell's going on there. We're spending $8 billion every time I turn around, yet it's a sewer. So I muddle through it, and I go through the Qaddafi uniform TSA, and I wait for the airplane. I get on the airplane, and uh, as I'm sitting on the airplane across like two guys back and listening to these two guys, these are men, men. And they're not young men. They're probably close to my age. And they're talking about how they've been overwhelmed and they have anxiety. What, is everybody in therapy? I keep thinking about to when I grew up. I don't ever remember uh, uh, my grandfather who had four jobs and three businesses, stressed constantly, ever saying, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. The anxiety is just getting to me. What am I going to do? And it's really no wonder we're in this pickle where this 80-year-old dimwit comes out with his budget tonight, and it's an increased spending of 16%, on top of all of the other nonsense he just shoved down our throat and is promising to shove in the very near future. And I'm wondering, is, 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 are these guys going to be too overwhelmed? Are they too overwhelmed to deal with it? Because I don't think you can be. I think you have to go after it as they come at you. Because they are tireless for an 80-year-old. See, the reality is he's just the Trojan horse. they got to wheel out there every speech here and there. There is an army of Marxists behind him. And they have, believe me, they have, they have chalkboards and whiteboards. And they are attacking every aspect of our society because they understand we are weak right now. And he's going to drive it like he stole it. Believe me, that's exactly what's happening because that's exactly what they did. So now we're going to go after the Supreme Court. Now we're going to pack the court. It's, it's amazing. I didn't realize myself. It's been at nine since 1869. Since 1869, we've had nine. In fact, there was a time when um, Joe Biden himself said it was moronic to stuff the Supreme Court. But now that he's in charge, he's nothing of what he sold you. Just like none of these bills are what they sell you. None of it. Here we are. You just got $1.9 trillion. You've, you're, you've got every Marxist you know, uh, uh, from Buttigieg to the old governor of Michigan. They're out on a selling tour of this. And we're looking at another $2.25 trillion that they admit to, knowing full well it'll go to $3 trillion. And here today you're talking about a 16% increase on a budget that year over year does nothing but grow. It's got automatic kickers in it. Every one of these bureaucracies cashes out. I mean, at a certain point, I said a long time ago when my kids asked me what I should do. Well, if you have no intention of being 
an entrepreneur, and I, I as as being one, I could tell you there's a certain futility in it, unless you're uber wealthy. Go work for the government, because these bureaucrats, these are the most important people in the country right now. Government went from a from a joke. When I was young, you know who worked at the government? Guys like Fauci couldn't get jobs in the real world. Wanted to go hide in a cubicle, get real cozy with a couple of guys and cash out. Seems to be the play. Yeah, I made fun of it the whole time. It seems to be the play. And our only way to fight this off, if you want to get married to the principle, we still have a constitution. You know how I feel. I feel it's been successfully bastardized and undermined. I don't know when it's helped. When it's helped. When I remember Obamacare, it was supposed to help. It was, it was going to go to John Roberts was in. He was going to save the day. And what happened? I got it shoved down my throat just like the rest of the country. My, my insurance premiums go up 400%, just like everybody else's corporation and business, did, even though they don't pretend it did. And in it, So every time we turn to the Supreme Court for help, as it sits with the nine that looks like a skit from Saturday Night Live, I got to worry about it if they're going to even have a scintilla of Americanism in principle. In the, in the original uh, text of the Constitution and the individuality this country was founded on. And now they're going to pack it with more cartoon characters. Maybe we could make, take that DHS uh, uh, lady slash guy, put him over there. He'll blend right in. He could wear all, all of uh, Fat Judge in a little coat, uh, all her costumes. Here, I want you to hear the clip. President Biden now taking steps that could allow Democrats to pack the Supreme Court. We are learning that President will issue an executive order today forming a bipartisan commission to study Supreme Court reform. The White House says the group will analyze. Listen, when they're talking about doing this, they already made their mind up. This is just to make it look like we, oh, well, they're going to really take it into consideration. They're going to do it and it's going to happen arguments in the current debate, including the membership and size of the court. White House correspondent Peter Ducey is live now on what could lead to a major shakeup at the Supreme Court. Good morning, Peter. Emily, good morning. And the idea here with packing the court would be that if the size of the Supreme Court expands beyond nine justices on what is right now a conservative majority and Joe Biden is the president or another Democrat is the president, then he could nominate liberals or progressives to water down the conservative majority on the court and give the Democrats or the liberals an advantage in who sits there. We've got some of this executive order now that just came out a few minutes ago. It says this commission's purpose is to provide an analysis of the principal arguments in the contemporary public debate for and against Supreme Court reform, including an appraisal of the merits and legality of particular reform proposals. So they're not comfortable enough with the mobocracy they've created. Because now we're to believe at every aspect, as long as the majority of Americans feel uh, one way, then we could just trample over the other 49%. So that's already how the, how the Democrat Party runs itself. That's already how they're shoving these bills down our throat, these massive increase in costs, these new taxation. I, I, did anybody vote for any of this? I mean, I know the never-Trumpers out there did, right? All the guys who said, nah, you know what, we, we, we need to have integrity and dignity in the office. How do you like it now, dummies? How do you like it now? Because what they're telling you is they're going to change the absolute and total structure as weak as it was in the beginning. Because I never really relied on the so-called conservative majority. In, wh- in which case have they really helped us aside, aside from the Janus case? And, and how do you think that's going to work now in this new economy when everything's geared towards growth of the labor mafia demo, uh, unions that are out there and the, and the way in which they vote and the way in which they shake down their people? But I love to hear a little pippy livestocking, Pisaki. Okay, and then about immigration. The U.S. government is now reportedly spending $60 million a week to shelter migrant children. That adds up to $3.1 billion in a year. Where is that money coming from? Well, first, I would say that, as you may recall, the prior administration requested and received nearly $3 billion in supplemental funding from Congress for the UC program back in 2019. That came after the previous administration had already made multiple transfers of hundreds of millions of dollars. And our commitment is to ensuring uh, HHS has the funds it needs now to safely and humanely care for children, which, of course, is resource intensive. We know that. There are 200 permanent shelters around the country. And there are needs related to the pandemic, social distancing, uh, enhanced ventilation and testing that are additional needs given the time that we're living in. And hundreds of millions of days, hundreds of millions a day they're spending on this. 
And when you think you what's the alternative? How can we possibly stop this? I've been I've been saying it for two weeks. I see Republicans go down to the border and demand that that Democrats come down and look at it. But I don't see anybody doing anything to stop it. There's always hope that somebody can do something maybe to bring it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court will stick up for us. The righteous conservatives on the Supreme Court, although they've been completely undermined. And now we might as well take that last rail, that last thing we can lean on and undermine it by packing it. This is not a a, a group that's going to inquire as to what the American people want. This is in spite of what the American people want. The topics that we'll examine include the genesis of the reform debate, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justices on the court, the memberships and size of the court, and the court's case selection rules and practices. For a couple weeks on the campaign trail, this was the issue after the passing of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I remember at one point we went to Flint, Michigan and put a microphone and now Vice President Harris's face a few times asking her, do you think the court should be expanded? And we did not get a definitive answer. The most definitive that we got from Biden or Harris on this in the campaign or transition was right here in this local interview. I've already spoken on, I'm not a fan of court packing, but I'm not, I don't want to get off on that whole issue. I want to keep focused. The president will love nothing better than to fight about whether or not I would, in fact, pack the court or not pack the court, et cetera. The focus is why is he doing what he's doing now? So in October, not a fan of court packing. In April of 2021, he is now having a panel of experts look into whether or not court packing should become the law of the land. It's been a long, feels like it's been forever since January 20th, doesn't it? And the reality is, every time I hear this kind of nonsense, I think back to those so-called Republicans like Adam Kinzinger. Do they have any idea what they did to us? Now you're packing the court. You're destroying economic sabotage at every corner. Budgets that expand. Did anyone think it wasn't going to expand? I guess we should be lucky it's only 16%. When they say they're going to pack the court, does anybody know by how many? Or is that what they're going to pretend that this committee is about? Instead of doing five, we'll just do three. It was just a year ago we thought that we had some optimism. I remember when we all rallied around the Catholic girl and how great it was going to be to stop the, 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 the genocide of murdering our own babies and paying for it universally. My, oh my, how things have changed. Don't forget, I, I, the neo-Marxists were always this way. This is just who they are. This kind of atrocity and this kind of assault on the individual American. This is who they always were. That's not who we have to thank for this. We have to thank the never-Trumpers and the Keystone Libertarians. That's who you thank for this. 312-642-5600. Okay, so say they get on. I want to know what you think. When they pack the court, what's the first thing they're going to go for? That's the question of the day. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when we get back. Hold on a Friday, kid. So, you know, I pull up the Drudge Report. Now, this is this when I was, you know, before Trump got in, this was a really good uh, venue to look at all different headlines from around the world. And uh, they still have Prince Philip dead. He, he was 100 years old. I mean, w- w- I never understood the fascination with the monarchy. Who gives a rip? It's 2021. I still have to pretend these people are special. That's why I never could stand the English. Their whole, they live their whole life with the mindset of a slave. They have a royal family. Get the hell out of here. I mean, he lived as a, as, as a prince for 100 years. I'm supposed to be really upset. I'm more mad about the DMX. Poor guy, 50 years old. All right, let's go back to the question. What do you think they're going to go after first? Samantha Plainfield. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I'm all right. But I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm angry, but I will never use the word I'm overwhelmed. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fair. Go ahead. I'm definitely pretty angry, too. I, I really believe, I truly believe the first thing that they will go after is our guns. I 100% believe there's no question if you disarm a population, you have an easier time taking over. Well, to your point, what happened yesterday was that they took a, a law-abiding way that many, many people, especially rural people, have weapons. 
Um, there were laws that even governed ghost guns. For instance, you could never sell a ghost gun if you made a ghost gun. You, so overnight, uh, they're trying to make people felons. So there's many ways to disarm you. I've always been, uh, you know, it's going to get it's going to get sticky if they try to disarm you in the old fashioned way of disarming you. But look at what they did in Australia. They disarmed Australia. I mean, look at what they do in other lands. They buy them back. And, uh, you know, when you have economic sabotage happening on the other end and you're driving massive inflation up, people will need money. And if the government says to you, hey, I'll give you 10 grand for your gun and you can't pay for your kid to eat, would you sell it? Yeah, so I mean, there's many ways to skin the cat. The reality is, I think what they were waiting for is the timing. And the timing that that America broke was in 2020, when the American people let, let into fear and gave up their freedoms willingly, and then started to enforce the rules of the arbitrary rules that government put in because they said it was based on science. I, I had it happen to me today in the airport. I took my mask down to drink water, and I, I left it down, and you know, some, some chubby woman asked me, well, are you going to put it on? I said, yeah, I'll put it on when I'm done drinking. But my point is she was comfortable enough now to talk to a stranger, to enforce a government rule, because you've, she's now been programmed. So she's now a government slave. She'll do whatever the hell they say. She feels she needs the government to protect her. She's listening to this 80-year-old dimwit in Fauci, not the 80-year-old dimwit in the present. I should be specific. Because she has more faith in what this absolute and total stranger says with a, with a litany of failures in his career than she does her own judgment. And the last thing she wants to do is implement her freedom. She wants to be a slave. And I think that that sums up you know 80% of the people in America today, which is why... Yeah, you know. It's truly heartbreaking. I'm I'm 19, and all of my friends have disowned me because I'm willing to stand up for my freedoms, and all of them are so quick to tell me what the government wants me to do and that I should obey. It's heartbreaking. First of all, Samantha, you're a wonderful 19-year-old. I thought you were surely a professional, so you, you sound wonderful, and I don't really give a rip about your friends. I have a 19-year-old daughter. Most of her friends are idiots, so I'm going to make that same assumption with yours. It doesn't matter because you've got to remember something, Samantha, throughout history. There's only, only a third of the people that are actually worth anything. third of the people are the ones that fought off King George. The other third were loyal to him, and the other third was too damn lazy to care. So don't, don't ever feel like you're alone, because achievers are always alone. There's a very small percentage of people that make the world go around. Take pride in that, because when you have that, listen, government takes your money away. I just went to my accountant the other day. They take your money away. Government takes your freedoms away to a certain extent. But when you achieve something, when you do it and you owe it to nobody, that can never be taken away from you. You're 19 years old. I got a lot of faith in you. And don't worry. You could always hang with my daughter. She's probably not as much fun as I am, but that's okay. Thank you, Samantha, for the call. I appreciate it. Teresa on the north side. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Sean. You know, um, if they pack the courts, I think what they will try to do is abolish the First and Second Amendment completely. That's what I think they'll go after. You know, I've been really kind of disheartened how the First Amendment has gone away quietly. You know, I mean, I scour scour YouTube. I love to scour YouTube. I didn't even realize until I was reading it a couple of hours ago, YouTube pulled off a conference that DeSantis had. And he had it with with scientists um, from Europe, from here, and they were discussing scientists were how how the masks, in particular on children, how they're just completely useless. And YouTube, mm-hmm. who's owned by Google, just simply took it away. And they've been doing that for years now. It's been a couple of years that they've really felt that they were, you know, able to do that. And 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 I used to love the internet because to me it was like the wild west. I thought this is going to be the last place that will ever bend knee to government. And here they are, the first place. So you couple that with the fact we don't have a media. And, you know, this whole thing about packing the court. Who's the conservative on the court? Who is it? He's dead. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have anybody. I mean, Clarence Thomas, absolutely. But, you know, they've, they've frozen him out of everything. So I think we've got maybe one. I'm not going to give Roberts. Roberts, to me, the only difference between him and Kagan is he probably looks better in an evening gown. That's the only difference I see. <laughs> Thank you, Teresa. I appreciate it. John, Lake Geneva. Yeah, they're coming after you, Sean. They're going to come after you and your big mouth because, you know, you say things that you believe that are true. You inspire people. You may yeah. encourage people. And what they have to shut that down because you're not 
speaking the right speak. You need to speak properly. They could do the fairness doctrine. John, I, 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 I got news for you. I'm, I'm, I'm twisted that way. I love that idea that they come after me because the idea that I'd be waiting for some union nurse when I'm like Joe Biden stuttering. I don't remember all of the girls that were in love with me, and I can't remember if I left my keys in the car or if I have a boat. I don't want to be like that. So good. Let them come for me. I'd rather be tragic. I was always a fan of Papillon. Thank you for the call, John. I appreciate it. We're going to go to break. I'll take the rest of your calls then. Tell you what, this kid really does step it up for Friday's music. I mean, it's not even close. We had a caller on the line because I could I could see what they're going to say, and uh, I really wanted to take her call. Her name was Dulanta, but I'm going to take John and Palatine first because there's a reason. John, how are you? I'm good, Sean. Uh, hey, I wanted to comment. I was really impressed with your young 19 year old caller, Samantha. I uh, God bless her for. Uh, being uh, spot on. I, I really think doesn't that give you hope? Honest amendment. Yeah, that just gives you hope, though, oh, when you oh, hear yeah. somebody that young who's been who's really this girl has faced the the hardest indoctrination of all of us. You know, when we went to school, John, the teachers weren't like they are today. They were not influencing kids no, to be they followers beat me with uh, sticks. But well, well, not only that, they um they didn't teach the kids to be followers. You know, the one thing about the Marxists and the socialists. They're all they're all communists. But the one thing about them is they 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 weed out leadership. They try to break that spirit that would fight back. So when you get a 19 year old girl that calls the show and sounds like she's a 35 year old professional woman who's aggravated taking her freedom. It's inspiring. But go ahead, John. You should you you should you should enlist her to hang around with your daughter and her girlfriends. But uh, I got my kids out of Illinois, but I will. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll send her out of Illinois, too. Go ahead. There you go. Hey, uh, yeah, I really think uh, that uh, that loser uh, Beto is going to be, uh, you know, the, the guns are. He's going to he's going to do his best to take away everything, and then uh, and then I I can imagine them replacing the first amendment with with another first amendment that says we we're going to open up all our borders. No borders. Yeah, well, they, they, they've already done it, and they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to change anything. See, that's, that, that's what government really learned a long time ago. The only penalty for doing your job poorly is you get a promotion and your budget gets bigger. John, thanks for the call. You know, I appreciate it. Here she called back. Dulanta, Grandview, yes, how are hi, you? Sean. I'm good. How are you? First One. of all, I just want to say I love you every single day. Oh. I love you for what you're saying and you're trying open eyes for every single person living in U.S. Thank you. Actually, you know what? I came from Europe. We escaped the communism for better life here. But it looks like it's not going to be better here. They're, they're going to take everything from us. Every single thing. Our freedom, our religion, our free speech, everything. So, Delonta, you know who I think is going to save it? You know who I think is going to save it? I think the handful of Americans... Like that 19-year-old girl that called, like me and John and the rest, Vince and Steve and Stephen and John, that are on the line. I totally agree. And I I think the people like you who understand just exactly how devastating Marxism is. See, the American sophomoric welfare baby doesn't get it. He thinks he gets his rent, and he can't understand what he's living in is a ghetto. He thinks he gets his food, but what he doesn't understand is there are no good grocery stores. He thinks he gets a job, but what he doesn't understand, he has, he has just a job, not a career. So the problem is you have, you, have, you have sophomoric Americans who don't care about freedom because they just want to be slaves that are taken care of. So I think yeah, the, help, exactly. the help is going to ironically come from, from the mistake that they're making by assuming all these people who are coming over the border are going to think like them. The majority will, but it's the minority of people who want liberty that will defeat the majority of people who want comfortable slavery. So I, I, think, I think that's why I wanted to take your call. Because to me, people from Europe who lived under Marxism, you're the only person yeah. who understands how little they care about anybody in particular. They just want to rule you know everybody. They don't care about the individuals. Absolutely, I agree. And you know what? When I'm telling American people that what we went through, that only in the stores, in grocery stores, where was vinegar and vodka, 
that yeah. was that was communism. They're you know what they don't believe me. They just yeah. don't believe me. And you know it's funny, Dolanta, when you go to the when you go to the the ghettos in Chicago, the only the only uh, grocery stores that are there, they make a big deal when they open up a normal grocery store because they're paying the people to open it up, and within months they shut it down. And that's what it looks yeah. like when you've taken people's dignity, but you gave them money. And that's, you know, that's yeah. hopefully that's that's what we're hopefully going to fight. The problem is they've managed to deceive people by race in America. They had the luxury of 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 saying it was racial in Europe. They don't have that in Europe. They hate yeah. everybody. They're the same race. It's the same ideology. It leads to devastation and death. That's why I can't stand Marxism. It's killed 100 million people and, and turned slaves out of a, a millions more. Thank you, Dolanta. I really appreciate the call. Thank you so much. All right, let's go to uh, Vince, Crystal Lake. Hey, Vince. Hello, sir. Uh, Roberts has been compromised, by the way. But what I call for is that the First and Second Amendment will be wiped out. And uh, the only way out, I think, is the session. Go to the free, free country of Florida, Texas. Brother, hey, you want to know something, Vince? You come down here, and I, I'm not kidding you. I mean, I, I am. You know, you know, I have a vested interest, but I'm just telling you, it is a different place. The, the people are different because this guy is the only guy, DeSantis, putting up a significant fight. I think Texas is trying to, but they're being overwhelmed at their border. So it's uh, it's interesting, and that's why I say, Vince, to me, you have to go to high ground. Can you imagine if you had an entire state of people that thought the way me and you do, and the Dolanda and, and, and everybody else that calls the show? A country. The people How about who are, a country? Well, it used to be like that. When we were young, when we were young, you just assumed that the, the common denominator, the assumption was your neighbor hated Marxists. Your, your guy across the street couldn't stand the idea of being a socialist. Everybody hated communists. Now look at us. Now I've got some 380-pound woman telling me to pull my mask up. Uh-huh. Didn't take that long. Thanks, Vince. Thank you for the call. I've got to clean up the lines. Steven in uh, Northwest Side. How you doing, Sean? I just wanted to call and uh, give you a shout-out, say oh. that I love the radio station. I love what you got to say. Steve, and um, speaking on the uh, Second Amendment, uh, I actually just got my FOIA card, and tomorrow I'm going for my uh, conceal and carry class Good so for that you. I can exercise my Second Amendment right. Good for you. Good for you. And, you know, it, it, the nice thing is, at least now, when uh, um, you'll, you'll be able to do legally what you should have always been able to do just by being an american i view it that way i really do i yeah. think it's ridiculous did you know in illinois it, the, the whole process to get your cards and all this it's 450 dollars in illinois now who does that who does that hurt if you're a wealthy caucasian if you got a job it's nobody okay it's it's a, it's a it's a pain in the derriere to pay 450 but you pay to 450 but if you're a good minority person trapped in one of these government made ghettos and all you want to do is make sure your 19 year old daughter is protected on the way to school and you want to get one that cuz you want to take her to school but you don't have the 450 dollars you see how their policies destroy the lives of the so-called section of society they pretend to represent they are just, it is just devastation. Thank you, Stephen. I so appreciate the call. John Northbrook. Sean, thanks for taking my call. Your uh, comments today are impeccable. Uh, two quick subjects. One of them is about the gun control. A, a lot of people in America don't realize something that I stumbled across a year or so ago reading about Western Europe. In Switzerland, all the citizens are required to learn how to use a firearm, and you can bet your life that plenty of them own firearms. As a result, Switzerland has the lowest crime rate in Western Europe. What a surprise. That should be comforting to people in the United States that are uh, would-be gun owners, but they've been guilt-tripped by a, a couple of mass shootings into thinking it's bad for people to have guns. The more people have guns, the less crime there Absolutely. is. Second subject. Go ahead, buddy. Second subject is uh, next weekend, Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a nine-hour free-streamed uh, presentation by some of the most loyal patriots in this country. I'm talking about Lieutenant General Flynn, uh, Lynn Wood, the attorney, Simone Gold, the doctor. Okay, give, me the, give me the address. Where? Brighteon.com. Brighteon.com. All right. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for the heads up. And, you know, this is the old attitude of, of, of guns kill people. Guns don't kill people. 
People with low character kill people. People who aren't worth much kill other people. I mean, you're hard-pressed. I mean, if we ever really examine the people that are actually killing the other people, it isn't about the gun. It's about there's something broken in that person. We'll be back after this. The city of Chicago, this is a staggering statistic. Hey, jackass. 839 people shot. Eight? <laughs> 839 people shot. It's April 9th. Now, let's figure out, do you think that Cook County has the most legal gun ownership in, in Illinois? I mean, we should go county by county. Where's the most legal gun ownership? And figure out, you know what? This has nothing to do with your laws. This has everything to do with your education system, everything to do with your welfare ghettos. This has everything to do with your city and your Democrat mafia. This is what you built. You are just reaping what you sowed. There's no magic to, the, to, the, to a gun that's the problem. It's a joke. So sick of hearing them blame innocent people, indict innocent people, infringe upon the rights of innocent people. Yeah, here, here's what we need. A 16% uh, uh, increase in how, many, how much Democrats spend. That'll fix everything. John, Lake County. Hey, good good evening, Sean. Uh, glad to hear you on full time now, and uh, great show. Thank you. I just have something that I'd like you and, and all the listeners to Google up. It's lost and missing firearms and computers of the FBI. See, they go to Costco, leave a machine gun in the trunk, and when it gets stolen, they forget to call it in. And I, I guess they're held to a little different standard than you and I. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were going to talk about. You remember when uh, uh, Obama had the had the guns? He was going to exchange to the cartels to see what happened. <laughs> Fast and Furious. You remember that? That was a great oh, idea. Fast and Furious. Yeah, and yeah. They, they figured that might have killed fifty thousand Mexicans. So you mean you mean they just they go to Costco, they leave a machine gun in the car, and somebody robs an FBI agent, huh? Anywhere. And uh, for example, uh, the a local police department got a shotgun from uh, yeah. No, uh, I get it. A dirt get bag. It. Okay, so what they do is they run a check on it. It's a Remington 870, very common riot gun. They call Remington to start the check. This is the ATF now. And uh, Remington says, uh, yeah, we sold that gun to the FBI. But this <laughs> guy reported it, or never reported it, and it was missing for like five years. You know, a little minor thing like that. So do, do, you think it's a coinc- you think it's a coincidence that Joe Biden just made it or wants to make it easier? for the victims of gun violence to sue gun manufacturers and not say like the FBI who left the trunk open with the TAC weapon in the back? Well, yeah, and like I say, this is Heckler & Koch 9mm machine guns, Remington 700 sniper rifles, SIG 226s, Glocks, and, and, and computers that have sensitive government uh, yeah. uh, documents on them. Well, that's yeah, okay. Just, those know, are, just, those are just found by the, by the supporters to the Democrat Party. And, and this was all under, you know, call me struck, uh, you know, yeah. and the boys, you know, that that just got their. their I still, uh, their I, John, I got to tell you, I'm still ago. fascinated at the at at Struck's wife, the one who stuck with him through when he had the affair with Paige, with the girl that could eat the apple through the fence. She just got an appointment in the Biden administration. I mean, you gotta love this. Yeah, it, these are bureaucracies. These these are separate. These are these are really they're looking out for the better of people. They're not apparatchiks to the Democrat mafia. Not at all. Thanks for the call, John. I really appreciate it. Steve Huntley, how are you, Steve? Hey, Sean. Hey, thanks for uh, being the bright light in the darkness. But to answer your question, they're going they're not gonna stop until they have everything. They are kicking the you-know-what out of us and viciously wiping our faces in it. They're, we're not fighting back. They're not stopping. The more they get, the more they want. And they're not going to stop mm-hmm. until they have full and total control in our lives. I, as, you're talking, I'm, as you're talking, I'm trying to think, at, 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 to a certain extent, where, don't, where, where do we have our freedom? To a certain extent. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you've you've got some money, you can move about the country. But, I mean, if you really look at the aspects of of your your economic life, where can you move about the country? And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm looking at. And and as you see them punitively go after states that would resist their dictate, that's it's going to start to really get sticky. It's going to close in on us. And. um, you know, where are you going to go when everything's Chicago, Illinois? 
right? Well, yeah, that's it. And, and if we're not fighting back, it's not going to stop. And I think a good starting point is with Atlanta. My God, they took uh, the All-Star game out of a city that is – 75% poor blacks, and they move it to a city yeah. that's 75 Lily white, white, like a Starbucks they, in Deerfield. And you want to know something? A sitting president, a sitting president congratulated the company that, that harmed a, a, a city and a state in, on, in his country. The same president who went after Florida and Texas. Impeach him. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Fantabulous Friday. And even though I've come to a conclusion of where I see the trajectory of Illinois, I still have some hope, some optimism. And uh, every once in a while, I bring in an expert of Illinois policy to crush that hope and optimism. And I wanted to bring on Adam Schuster, senior budget and tax researcher for the Illinois Policy Institute. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy Friday. I, I do have to say up front, though, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, so I, I can't side with you on that one. And that's why I like you. I, I'm, an, I'm an optimist, too. It's just that it, you don't mind if I bet the don't, do you? Right? I mean, <laughs> sure, I will play it's, it's dice. I just will bet the don't every once in a while. Now, here's why I bet the don't. It's obvious, and I mean, I think almost everybody in Chicago knows Mike Madigan and knows that he's really... You know, obviously a gangster. I mean, they call him Speaker of the House. But when you look at exactly the schemes and the scams and from the tax business to the projects and everything he's had his little hand in, don't you think even even people that might have thought that they were benefiting from the Democrats being in might be offended at the idea he's walking away with, you know, seven grand and change forever in perpetuity with a three percent cola? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think they should. I think the people of Illinois are starting to wake up. And I think that's why we're seeing record high support for pension reform, because Madigan is the architect of the worst pension system, the worst pension crisis in United States history. Uh, and on his way out the door, he's reminding us that his legacy is a dual legacy of corruption and debt. I mean, he just completely crushed the state of Illinois. He brought our pension debt from about $5 billion from when he was the Speaker of the House to $144 billion today. Um, and he's going to be collecting, uh, starting this month, a seven a pension of about $7,000 a month. Um, but about a year after he retires, that's going to jump up to $12,600 per month, or about grand a year that he'll be getting from taxpayers. Um, and that's, that's just a, a perfect example of why we desperately need pension reform. And we have a pension reform proposal that would cut his lifetime pension benefits by about a half a million dollars. And you know what's funny, uh, Adam? I, I, I don't think people understand just the nature of greed of a gangster. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, there was this well-known gangster that uh, went to Oak Brook, took his family to Oak Brook, and uh, he just couldn't help himself. He stole something, and as, as some security guard who didn't know who he was just you know happened to pinch him. He had $5,000 in his pocket, and he stole a $6 baseball hat because that's just what they are. And Mike Madigan is a partner in one of the most wealthy, powerful law firms in the city of Chicago. Mike Madigan has, we don't know how many untold real estate investments and ventures, and he's clearly multi, multi-millionaire, knowing full well the devastation. I mean, wouldn't you have thought that, okay, he's got to be worth, if I had to guesstimate, I don't know, maybe $120 million. Wouldn't you think that he'd say, eh, let's just leave the 7000 in the kicker a month? Well, uh, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I think you're, you're asking too much of somebody who, you know, has his fingerprints on, on every bad pension bill um, since 1970. Uh, he was a delegate to the 1970 Constitutional Convention. He voted for the pension clause that keeps us from doing anything to fix the system today. And for decades, 
from from then on until he retired, he was a sponsor of legislation or allowed legislation to pass that enhanced pension benefits, including his own, including giving special perks to politicians, only politicians, by the way, this this uh, giant jump in his pension that he's going to get after one year is, was only ever available to members of the General Assembly. And, and he passed these these pension enhancements without ever having a plan to pay for them oftentimes without even ever doing a cost estimate uh, in the first place. And I think you're right. I mean, it's greed and it's corruption. Uh, Not only is he personally enriching himself off of this, if he collects his pension for 17 years, it'll be $2.9 million he'll get from taxpayers after only having paid about $350,000 in. So not only is he personally enriching himself, but he used this pension system to essentially buy support from from special interest groups, uh, meaning public sector unions in the state of Illinois. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody who doesn't say it's a promise. I love that line. It's a prom. I didn't make the promise. Did you make the promise? I didn't make the promise. Um, and at the same time that went on, Pritzker signs into law a bill that will make it easier for teachers to walk out on kids. Yeah, that's I mean, that's right. I mean, essentially what the bill does is it gives the teachers union more power to strike uh, in the city of Chicago over issues besides paying benefits. So they can now strike over things like class size and and issues that are usually left to the school board and the mayor and the elected representatives of the people. Uh, And now, you know, the the governor has just given them the power essentially to walk out on kids uh, over issues that are not, you know, appropriately part of the bargaining process. I mean, do you think it's going to be do you think it's just obvious at this point that there's no one that doesn't understand that government and unions are working hand in glove to corrupt the public purse into paying off the select few? Is there anybody left that doesn't see this atrocity and thinks it's somehow our responsibility to continue to bail this out? You know, I think if, if you look at the numbers, uh, it, it's hard to, to, to not believe that, you know, and I think awareness is growing that there has been this kind of corrupt bargain in Illinois uh, going back for decades with Madigan at the center of it. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, him leaving office is an opportunity for us to change uh, the, the direction of our state. It's an opportunity for us to undo these legacies uh, of debt and corruption. And but Adam, you know, regarding pensions, yeah. He handpicked he hand his replacement. In fact, his replacement is just a, a Madigan sycophant. I don't understand how we think it's going to possibly change. Well, we, you know, we've seen some initially positive signs. Um, one of the ways that Madigan held so much power was he had the, uh, a, a procedural process. The House rules were basically handwritten by him to give all the power to the office of the Speaker. And so for, for many people, I mean, unless you lived in Madigan's district, you weren't being fully represented in the state of Illinois because he had such outsized power, because he had the, the power to swap awesome. committee members at will, the power to um, you know kill bills single-handedly. And those rules were actually changed when he was changed as Speaker to give more powers to rank-and-file members and committee chairs. And, you know, that that's at least an opportunity for more ideas to be heard. So I think that's, you know, an initially positive sign. I'm not saying all the problems are fixed. Far from it. There's a lot of ethics reforms that need to be made in Springfield. But you combine this more open process with the fact that uh, last year was the first time polling found more, a majority of Illinoisans support a constitutional amendment to allow pension reform. And I think there is room for optimism because we, we've proposed a constitutional amendment that would that would protect people's benefits. Um, that were actually earned for work already performed. So it wouldn't cut anything that you've gotten because uh, that is, you know, kind of going back in the bargain. But it would also give us the flexibility to make the system more sustainable and affordable going forward. So for those people's future work or the future growth in their benefits, we align it with what taxpayers can actually afford. So um, Illinois is a recipient of government welfare under this new um, proposal, under this new plan, both the COVID 1.9 um, we were a recipient of billions upon billions of dollars. And uh, I had a caller into the show, and I, 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 shame on me, I didn't verify it. Is it true that that actually gave us a better rating than what we were, which was bumping along that junk bond status? Well, uh, they haven't improved the rating, but they did improve the outlook. So it's a, it's a little bit of a – just for, for your listeners, um, the, the, the rating itself is, is kind of a, a top-line overall assessment of your, your fiscal health, and then the outlook is kind of the direction you're heading. And we were on a negative outlook, and at least one of the ratings agencies has now raised us to stable, which means they don't expect us to fall for ju- to junk, but they don't expect us to get any better either. 
Has anybody done the the forecast on, you know, I have a business in, in Illinois and the business was greatly harmed from being shut down as oftentimes a locked door will do for a business. Has anybody looked mm-hmm. into the actual percentage, which I've heard is as high as 45% of businesses that will never come back due to the COVID shutdown and how that will adversely create a vacuum in the budget? Well, it, you know, it's hard to say how many will come back, but what I can say is 35% of small businesses have already closed. Um, you know, hopefully some of those will be temporary. Uh, and the number's even higher in, in the hospitality sector and the restaurant sector, which it's about 50% uh, for small businesses. So absolutely, you know, small businesses in particular are being crushed uh, by these government orders and restrictions. And on top of that, uh, Governor Pritzker proposed in January a, a tax hike that would only hit small businesses that was worth between $500 million and a $1 billion, depending on how much money they lost, because what he wanted to do was take away tax relief that the federal government had given so that their businesses could take a tax credit for losses during the pandemic against prior year earnings. Pritzker wanted to take that away from small businesses. Uh, luckily, you know, we were us and other groups were able to mobilize to, to, to kill that idea so far. It, it has not passed and, and hasn't really get, been uh, been moving in, in the legislature. But he's still proposing nine other business tax hikes as part of his budget. On top of the $7.5 billion he just got from the federal government, he wants a billion dollars more from the business community. And that's absolutely the wrong way to make sure we have a strong recovery from the pandemic. Not only would it crush those businesses, it would crush their workers, and it would crush their ability to create new jobs and grow those wages more in the future. Uh, so if we want, you know, a strong recovery, we need to, to stop the business tax hikes and start respecting businesses. And all of those reasons, Adam, and I mean this is a personal note, all of those reasons are why I refuse to sell Illinois real estate to anybody. I refuse to sell it to them because I will not hand them that kind of eminent loser in property value because what this translates to is the destruction of all of our equity in our property. End of story. This cannot end well when you have a a government that punitively goes after its own businesses. Um, So that, Adam, is a telling sign. But you dealt with another telling sign last year when it came to Lori Lightfoot and then last fall with her budget. She described it as likely the most painful budget we have ever faced in the city. Got any updates on me uh, for me on this? Well, uh, pain, painful for taxpayers. Um, not only was there uh, a property tax hike in there, about $94 million in property tax hikes, which is you know smaller than, than what we got under a manual, but still painful when you consider Illinois already has the second highest property taxes in the nation. There were also you know a number of regressive fines and fees that she included in that budget, uh, you know, including uh, this, this new policy where these automated speed cameras will give you a ticket for going just six miles an hour over the speed limit, and it's, it's a total revenue-raising scam that doesn't improve safety. Um, but there, there was no pain uh, for government workers. All, all the layoffs that she had initially proposed um, were canceled. And, you know, it's it's a budget that um, is going to kind of muddle through. And with the federal aid, it'll help the city survive. But it, it just continues to decline. Okay, how's my don't bet look to you right now? You, you want a little piece of it? You want a hedge? <laughs> well, well, here's what I'll say. Uh, it, 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 think things um, are, are bad in Illinois, and, and there's no doubt about that. The tax situation is very bad. The regulatory situation is very bad. Um, but what's good is that uh, the politics are starting to change. Madigan being gone is, is, a, is a positive sign. And the people of Illinois, according to polling data, are starting to wake up to the problems. And so what that tells me is that there, you know, there's an opportunity, at least, to turn the corner coming up very soon. I love it. He's an eternal optimist. Adam Schuster, Illinois Policy Institute. Uh, we will have him back. And, uh, and next time, when you come back, we're going to have only good news. All right? All right. Sounds good. Uh, we will, hopefully we'll have some good news with bills we're working in the legislature this year. Wonderful. Check them out at Illinois Policy Institute. We'll be back with your calls. 312-642-5600 after this. Well, well. See, I, I, I want to be optimistic because I'm from Illinois. I love the place. I really did. I spent the bulk of my life there. And it's just over the years of watching this happen, you have to realize if the trajectory isn't for the people to be so outraged that they demand change, then at a certain point you have to respect yourself and you have to respect your money. And 
in my business of real estate, I decided to also respect other people and not let them make what I thought was a mistake by owning a piece of that bankruptcy, of that corruption. And it's a shame because not everybody, obviously, not everybody thinks like that or is in on it. But unfortunately, everyone is affected by it. Um, what happens to good people is they bear the cost and they know it. And it's oftentimes something they, they try to talk themselves into, in particular in real estate. What this kind of management has done to the equity of good people not in on the scam, the vast majority of them can never really earn it back. Uh, it erodes every aspect of what your retirement is supposed to be. See, not all of us have these cushy pensions. You're listening to my pension. I don't have a pension. Um, but what it does is it literally enslaves the people who would never have participated in those corrupt dealings with Mike Madigan. And it turns them into the slaves that must now pay for that. And they go off to la-la land. And who, how many people knew that $7,000 a month, that's just his first year. It doubles in the second. Uh, it's amazing to me that the people, even Democrats, aren't saying, okay, enough is enough. Craig, Old Town, how are you? Hey, Sean. I, first of all, you're right about everything, and I understand oh, why you're negative. But I wanted to call you and uh, pay you a compliment and all your listeners oh, a compliment. Thank you. Despite living in an area surrounded by people who found it prudent to elect a mayor, someone who's, in their own words, most important qualifications were that they are a capital B black, capital L lesbian, and upside down capital M woman. And despite living in an area surrounded by people so obtuse in their understanding of irony, they continue to find it so easy to be governed by and regurgitate the rhetorical mastications of a man who doesn't understand the science behind putting down his own fork, let alone understand the science behind medicine. And despite living in an area surrounded by people all too gleeful to attempt to bully me into believing that the best representative to lead me, my family, and my country into the future as president should be some sort of aw shuck septuagenarian version of Charlie Bucket, that they and the Slugworth state have vetted and deemed worthy of receiving the keys to the chocolate factory simply because he's a quote-unquote nice guy who stuck around long enough and behaved in a way they judged acceptable. Huh? Though I don't hold my breath, because of you... And shows like yours, I still hold a glimmer, a hint, a whisper of naive hope that one day my city and my state will be able to accept the lessons, see the wisdom and the understanding that while there will never be perfection to be found here, it still was not always this way, it need not be this way, and that it could be better here once again. Wow. I'll tell you what. I love it. Buddy, thank you. That was one of my favorite calls ever. It was great. Thank you very much. That was very good. <laughs> Let's go to the clips. All right. When I find out which one of you kids back there put that picture of me on YouTube, there's going to be hell to pay, damn it. Kevin, Austin, Texas. How are you, Kevin? I'm excellent. I like this. I'm curious if you're smoking your stogies today, did you put a little something extra into it? Because you're very no, mellow tonight. I don't drink. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm, 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 I tell everybody everything. I'm actually in my condo doing this and I don't want to yell too much. You know, I'm kind of the neighbor. I don't want to, you know, I'm already getting the dirty looks because, you know, I just think. Well, I think guy. it's fantastic. I just, you know what? I, because it's true. And I think, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. Yeah. I love Chicago. I love the area. And I, I saw a map. I saw a map today and it showed how you know, the middle class has left Chicago. Uh, but if you look at the north side up where, you know, Lincoln Park, all that area, how it's developed and everywhere it's falling out. You had a lot of the same housing stocks, the brownstones and stuff like that. But it's a shame because it is, it's, you know, we have a one-party rule that's just uh, just corrupted. Uh, Kevin, Chicago. you know how, how this kills me, though? These are people I love, my family, my, my yeah. brother-in-laws, my father-in-law. And, you know, and, and then I, I got to listen to, like, oh, it's not that bad. The house is worth what it was 20 years ago. And I do that thing where my brain works where inflationally adjusts the money, Kevin, and you lost oh, 50%. You know, they, they so don't get book, it. My, I, I grew up in Oak Park, and I was uh, the 8th and nine, big Irish Catholic family. And my mom had to dump the house after the last fall. And it's like, oh, my gosh, if she would have, you know, two years either way. 
Yeah. It would have been a completely different story. And that's why, I mean, I say it every time. I hope people get involved, and I know the way the Republican Party is set up now, it's not good. But if people become precinct captains or find out who that is, and yeah. it's got to be that, that populism that gets people going. I do. And, you know, I think when of, people I think people have been numbed into feeling that they're, they're, they're owed, they owe somebody something for merely existing. I think, and, you I know, think when, they're just so disgusted with politics. Yeah. They don't enjoy sports anymore because how politics has just been, you know, gone into that and poisoned. Don't give me and, and what's there to enjoy? And it is, well, Kevin, you know, but I think you know me. If you're going to spend your time, thank you for the call. You're going to spend your time working, watching grown men in spandex chase balls who you pretend they're from the hometown when you imported them, and not one of them could pick out a street. That isn't right around the stadium, and you, you, it, it's mind-boggling to me. I think that's the problem with society. We've been watching that for 40 years. We should have been paying attention to Mike Madigan and his law firm. I'll be back after this. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. That's right. We spend this last couple of segments. And we put down all the nonsense. We try to focus on how we're going to have a wonderful weekend. So I'm going to tell you stuff I watched this week that I loved. I was shocked to say this. It's it's Tina, a documentary on Tina Turner. Loved it. Recommend everybody watch it. I found it to be inspiring. Uh, I thought it was very entertaining. I learned things I didn't know. Um, it was one of my favorite documentaries this week. I also saw... The Monopoly on Violence, excellent, highly recommend it. And then in the airport this morning, I watched the movie before, but I forgot just how much I loved it in a sick way. Unhinged with Russell Crowe. Absolutely loved it. 312-642-5600. And then I'm going to give you two that I really liked uh, that I may, may watch again. Bosch on Prime, thought it was fantastic, six seasons. And I did... Couldn't sleep the other night. I watched Once Upon a Time in America. I haven't seen it in 25 years. It was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. So I want to know which ones you wanted. What do you recommend? Not that I'm going to be watching movies. I'm going to be very busy the next few days. Um, because I think you have to uh, get on board with figuring out how to hedge yourself if you're stuck there in Illinois or any state run like it. So that's where I'm going with that. And in the meantime, I don't even have, I want to have something that uh, uh, is upbeat, but every news clip, everything from the courts, the new reparations, I didn't play this. Misty told me to play it. We're learning more about the Biden administration's plans for reparations. At the White House press briefing Wednesday, Politico reporter Eugene Daniels asked Press Secretary Jen Psaki about how the president would tackle the issue. Now, you know, that fits right into the Tina, right into the Tina, to watch how this woman, who was abandoned by her mother and father, who had absolutely nobody, literally grew up on a, on a cotton farm with one dress, had aunts and uncles that took her and to see where she went and to see the pride that she had in doing that. You know, when you talk about these, 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 these issues where they think they're helping people so much, I wonder if they understand the actual damage you do when you make people believe they are a victim of their own birth, they are a victim of circumstance, and that the only way they can get ahead is through some sort of charity or penalty of somebody else. I wonder if they understand how you take away who they could be I wonder what would have happened to Tina Turner if she was raised like that. I, I Something tells me it wouldn't have been the same. Um, and that's why I kind of like watching documentaries on the weekend. It kind of takes me out of politics. But just when you think you're out of politics as you're watching these things, you realize you're never really out of politics. Once upon a time in America is great because what happens to the biggest scumbag of all? He gets very in deep with politicians. And... uh once again, you think you're being entertained, are you? Turns into the godfather who owns how many judges like uh, chicklets in his pocket when you see how exactly where they're going with packing the court. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, amazing. You're not really out of it even when you're tackling these issues. That's what I try to tell people when they ask me, what's my hobby? Politics, because it's everything. It affects every aspect of your life. And when you take your eye off of it, when you think you're unwinding, 
what happens is Democrats seem to, and Republicans, but uh, they mainly seem to advance their flag of absolute and total takeover. Eduardo, Midway, what do you got, kid? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, before I get to my movie recommendation, what do you think about Chattanooga or Chuchanooga is what I like to call it? Uh, I, listen, I got some very, I, I have a cousin there, um, loves it. Absolutely loves it. It's a wonderful alternative to to uh, to any. You know, it's a it's a massive improvement to Illinois. Um, I think it's right on the border of Georgia and what's the other one? Because they're they're right on the south. They're, they're, they are right in Georgia. Yeah, well, it's Florida. Yeah, Florida, Georgia. I mean, it's it. You're talking about Tennessee, right? Chattanooga, yeah, because they're they're close to the oh, border. Yeah, they're, they're not far at all. It's not far at all. I, you know, you know, and it's funny you say it when I, Edward. When I first started doing this seven years ago, I couldn't afford the fly. That's when gas was $5 a gallon. And a guy would call me up and say, hey, I want to see a property in Marco Island at 5 o'clock. And I'd be in Elmhurst. And I'd say, well, you know, uh, let me see if I can get us in there. And I'd call up. I'd say, hey, can we get an appointment for tomorrow at 5? And the guy would go, yeah. And I'd tell the guy, hey, I can get you in there tomorrow. And he'd say, okay, great. I'll see you there tomorrow. And I would drive straight through. And you get dizzy when you're making those drives 24 hours straight through to go show property. So, yeah, they are right next to each other. And, Eduardo, I think, I think Tennessee is beautiful. I think once you get out of a, a, a state that, that looks at you as a victim of taxation and someone to be controlled, I think you're going to be in a, it's an improved life from that moment on. So, Okay. Check out No Man Land. That's a good movie. All right. Give me the premise. What is it? Well, they uh, lose their job, and so they're uh, traveling the uh, country. Oh, really? In All the right. RV, yeah. Uh, Dan went to go see it, so he said it was good. All right, I'll find out. Did you see Unhinged with Russell Crowe? Uh, no, I got to catch up on it. But uh, All right, hey, very speaking good. of another thing before I go, my camera is on uh, five, 5 to 6 on uh, Get TV. All that's right. your, that's, you All should right. play him. <laughs> I'm doing my show. I can't do that, but thank you very much for the re- recommendation. Yeah. Okay, John, have a good weekend. What we've got here is failure to communicate. See, that's always a good one. You can never go wrong with Cool Hand Luke. Terry, Rogers Park. Hey, uh, how about the movie about uh, Tina and Ike? It's called uh, What Love Got to Do With It. It's fabulous yeah it is you know and it's funny in the documentary they address that movie and uh she's very uncomfortable about talking about it because that was she did that movie and she was a consultant on it obviously because she wanted to put it behind her and it's funny terry it did the exact opposite for the rest you know she's still alive thank god she's 80 years old it's almost the first question everyone asks her is about Ike Turner. And that's why you got to watch the documentary, Terry. You will have a new appreciation of this woman. I, I, I cannot tell you the respect I have for her when you look at her life and exactly what she went through. But I agree with you. It's a very good movie, and I may check it out again. Thank you very much. All, All right. right. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to go to break. I'll take the rest of your calls. If you're on the line, stay there. i got two spots open. Which movie do you recommend I go see? And which show? Give me a documentary, too. 312-642-5600. I, can't, I love the fact the lines are packed. I love it. It's Friday. Let's unwind a little bit. Kent Aurora. How are you, Kent? Hey, Sean. Uh, so I saw it's a Hulu movie called uh, uh, Boss Level. And no, I saw this on Hulu. I see, you know, I got oh, all that nonsense. I got every, no, I saw the I saw the uh, advertisement oh. for it. I didn't watch it, but I wanted to. I'm going to watch it called Boss well, Level. It, you know, it's a uh, it's a Groundhog Day theme, uh-huh. and it, it's it's just it's silly, you know. Good. But it is it's fun. Okay. Got a couple twists in it. Right. Great fight scenes, uh, and a good moral story. So it, it it's fun. See, Kent, that's what I need. We got we to gotta, gotta take it down a notch. I love it. Thank you so much for calling. Bill took my recommendation last week. What's up, Bill? Hey, Sean. I uh, got to give you kudos for Bad Trip. It was so stupid you loved it, didn't you? It was so stupid and so freaking <laughs> so laugh out loud funny. It was ridiculous. I loved every minute of it. I couldn't believe it. it. Felt like I was I back remember. in high school. Yeah, exactly. 
especially the scene where they're in the uh, grocery store oh. on the bad trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. But uh, Pinky Blinders. I you know, I got, I saw up. the first se- season, and I don't know what happened. I just stopped watching it, so it's I'm going to go dark, back. Uh, but it's a period piece. Yeah. And if you're into the dark, yeah. dirty uh, Birmingham, England days of uh, early Industrial Revolution, it's awesome. Bill, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Simon Huntley. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Good, Simon. How are you? Good. I wanted to recommend a documentary for you. The one on John Wayne Gacy. I think it's on Peacock. Very well done. Very well done. You know, that happened right by yeah. my house. And uh, I, have a well, dear, I have a dear friend of mine who right. is John Wayne Gacy's last victim was a friend of mine that he went to, uh, my buddy, it was his very close friend in school. I didn't know the kid, but my, my very close friend did. And he told me what a wonderful kid he was. He was Gacy's last victim. That is literally, I mean, it's not far from my house, so I'm going to go check it out. Thank you. Yeah, you enjoy it. If you grew up anywhere in the 70s, you'll like it. And, and the postmortem is very interesting how the Chicago Police Department doesn't want to investigate some other areas where John Wayne Gacy was active. It was tragic. I remember, I remember that like yesterday when that happened. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate it. Patrick, Elmwood Park. How are you, Patrick? Hey, Paisan, how are you? Very good, very good. How are you? <laughs> good. Yeah, Paisan, hey, your name um, is Patrick. My name is Sean. Who are you kidding? Go ahead. I know. <laughs> yeah, we were minorities back in the old in the old neighborhood. That's right. Um, no, actually, you read you read uh, some of my ads on AM five sixty for me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank just you. want to say just want to say thank you for that and congratulations on your own show. Thanks. And um, a guy at work got me hooked on a show, uh, Sean called Suits. Oh, it's the it's best. On, Are you kidding on, me? The guy Harvey Specter, he's a real ball buster like you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to be Don Draper, not Harvey. I want to be Don Draper. That's the ringtone of my phone, Patrick. I love it. My favorite show oh. ever. Thank you. Suits. Yeah. I'm watching one episode a night till I get caught up. All right, take care, buddy. Thank you, brother. My favorite show ever, unquestionably. Tom Midlothian. How are you, Tom? Hey, Sean. Congrats on the show. I, hey. uh, I don't know if anyone's ever recommended this for you. It's science fiction. It's my uh, favorite movie of all time for sci-fi, Gattaca. Do you know, Tom, you heard I've, of never, it? I've, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. And now well, that you a, know, if you listened yesterday, you know I'm kind of into that stuff. I love it. Well, I think it was uh, not necessarily ahead of its times, but it's relevant now. And, uh, you know, I think if you, philosophically, it touches on quality of life issues and how you really just can't, you you just can't put people in the categories. Uh, Not that, you know, people can just do whatever they want to do all the time, but uh, overall, it's got all the themes in it that's really good. And, you know, it's from like 1999. Great sci-fi and uh, relevant to today. My hair was thicker in 99. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I just hope that the aliens have money, because when we get back on Monday, we're going to really rip apart this ridiculousness that we call a government and their idea that they can control every aspect of our life. And somehow, if they spend us into absolute and total slavery, it'll be utopia. In the meantime, watch the stats on the utopias they create around the country. Take a look at how good it is going to be a weekend in Chicago. Some tells me it's not going to end too well. New York, New Jersey, California, the border, everything they touch. In the meantime, have a good weekend, and don't waste your time watching grown men in spandex chasing balls. Don't watch it. Goodbye and good riddance. Believe in shooting stars, but she believe in shoes.